All right, we're rolling. It is January 19th, 2023. We uh, have on our prayer list tonight, uh, Lisa had called for prayer for her mother, Betty, and for a healing touch to her leg. And um, John and Ruby and Vassie and Linda, I like to keep them on here because they listen and support us in prayer. Um for us for his trip to Ohio and for all to go well there and safely there. Uh, Ken Kelsch for blessings and wellness. Um, Yvonne and Daniel uh, and then uh, their son Larry. Thank you, babe. Love you. Sheila and Larry and that's Mooney. Uh, Sheila's had some trouble with her uh, fibromyalgia. All right. Um, Bella, a young lady that needs a healing touch healed from addiction and we talked about addiction some Christian and I did it we're all addicted to something if you think about it and um, she said hers is definitely sugar I think my addiction is sitting in there in that chair that's what I'm addicted to but anyway we, we, it's, we can't be too quick to judge when someone struggles against uh, addiction of something one, one thing or another it seems to be a human tendency but with Christ, we can overcome anything. Through him, all things are possible. Marcos, for his son's salvation. Marta and Charles, and then the young man, Sebron, for God's favor in this unfortunate divorce and custody battle, which he did not initiate. Who was that? Uh, Sebron, it's, a, I think, a nephew of Marta's. Okay. Yeah, they had like six children. And anyway, Reverend Davis and family, I haven't heard an update. I did get to talk to him last week. He seemed upbeat, trying to get his strength back. Bob's children, Stephanie and Mike, other unsafe family members. Uh, niece, Rebecca, for proper choice in her life. Pray for our country and our country's leaders. Eric, Rex, Ted. Charles Blair and family, Dot, John Park, America and the U.S. military, Ray and Judy, and pray for our so-called leaders and people that have succumbed to the vaccine, and also Forrest and the Wingos. I'll put them on here at the bottom. I'll make one picture. join hands and Heavenly Father God I thank you so much for this time we could be together that we could be in the presence of your Holy Spirit who will guide us Lord as you have said where two or more are gathered that you be with us in our midst we just pray for these folks that have been mentioned here tonight these different causes and concerns we pray for our loved ones that couldn't be with us here tonight we pray God that we learn tonight from, from your word and from our discussion. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Picture this here. Mm. Yeah. Open up to Jude.
hard for me to look at the book of Jude that Beatles song doesn't pop into my head (laughs) (laughs) but of course the book of Jude preceded them by quite some distance Um, he introduces himself at the beginning this is only a one chapter uh, little passage here the Holy Spirit intended it be included because here it is Jude, a bondservant of Jesus Christ and brother of James, to those who are called, sanctified by God the Father, and preserved in Jesus Christ. Mercy, peace, and love be multiplied to you. Beloved, while I was very diligent to write to you concerning our common salvation, I found it necessary to write to you, exhorting you to contend earnestly for the faith which was once for all delivered to the saints. For certain men have crept in unnoticed, who long ago were marked out for this condemnation, ungodly men who turn the grace of our God into lewdness and deny the Lord, the only Lord God, and our Lord Jesus Christ. But I want to remind you, Though you once knew this, that the Lord, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed those who did not believe. And the angels who did not keep their proper domain, but left their own abode, he has reserved in everlasting chains under darkness for the judgment of the great day. As Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities around them in a similar manner to these, having given themselves over to sexual immorality and gone after strange flesh, are set forth as an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. Likewise also these dreamers defile the flesh, reject authority, and speak evil of dignitaries. Yet Michael the archangel, in contending with the devil, when he disputed about the body of Moses, dared not bring against him a reviling accusation, but said, The Lord rebuke you. It's an important point there. Even the archangel Michael did not slander Satan. He just said, The Lord rebuke you. But these uh, bad people that, that Jude is drawing attention to well, they do. They, they, they slander uh, any entity deity. Verse 10, But these speak evil of whatever they do not know, and whatever they know naturally, like brute beasts and the things they corrupt themselves. Woe to them, for they have gone in the way of Cain, have run greedily in the error of Balaam, for profit and perished in the rebellion of Korah. These are spots in your love feasts, while they feast with you without fear, serving only themselves. They are clouds without water, carried about by the winds, late autumn trees without fruit, twice dead, pulled up by the roots. Because of the lack of church discipline, most congregations are full of people that are being described in verse 12. Spots in your love feasts. Now, when a preacher is preaching the truth, when the plow's in the ground and moving forward, 
these people will tend to fall away from the assembly. They'll fall out of that congregation. Maybe with a little nasty note left behind or say something on social media to announce that they're leaving that church. And there's a lot of that that goes on. I like it when somebody says, this is not an airport. You don't need to announce your departure. Just go. But, um, you know, you, if weak preaching, weak on doctrine, um, some, some of it just skims the surface. And, and folks who fit this category in verse 12 sit right there just smiling like butter wouldn't melt in their mouths feeling like they're doing everything they could possibly be doing to ensure that they go to heaven when they die. But backbiting others, talking just wickedly against others in the same assembly. Um, Sad situation. Verse 13, raging waves of the sea, foaming up their own shame, wandering stars for whom is reserved the blackness of darkness forever. Now Enoch, the seventh from Adam, prophesied about these men, also saying, Behold, the Lord comes with ten thousands of his saints to execute judgment on all, to convict all who are ungodly among them of all their ungodly deeds which they have committed in an ungodly way and of all the harsh things which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. It says Enoch said that. The seventh from Adam prophesied. When they found the Dead Sea Scrolls, I think that was their first look at the very lengthy book of Enoch. I could be wrong on that, but the book of Enoch was with the Dead Sea Scrolls and that was a direct quote from it. Some people take that to mean that Enoch is um, is fair to look at, even though it's not in this 66-book Bible. It's very long. It would be longer than the major prophets put together, a uh, hundred and some chapters and not short chapters. A lot of information in there, very interesting stuff in the book of Enoch. He tells us where the demons came from. They're the disembodied spirits of the Nephilim, from Genesis chapter 6, human mothers, fallen angel fathers, the men of renown. You know, I talked to, uh, hey, Turbo, that's quite enough. Um, you know, somebody's talking about um, ancient gods, or, you know, and this was a guy I follow on YouTube. He's out of Norway. It's, he says he's a Norse pagan. This is Bjorn Andreas Bull Hansen. He had never said anything much about what he believed, but now he's out there saying it, and uh, he's getting a lot of pushback from Christians. And you know, uh, some of it's quite rude toward him. You know, you know, for somebody to just state what they believe in and their faith, even though you know in your heart they're not right about it, you know, you shouldn't bash them. You don't have to listen to them. Go ahead and back off the channel. But I'm just watching some of this go down, and he. He's been, I think, hurt by the things that folks have said. But he talked about, you know, he said there are things that we know, and we know these things because of science, and then there are things that we believe, he said. 
And you, you, you can believe something and it's just not true. And of course we realize that. Um, he said, I, be- I know what I believe in my faith and I hope it's true, he said. I hope I'm right. That's kind of a sad place to be because once you are truly indwelled in the right kind of way by God's Holy Spirit is living in you, then you don't doubt. You don't sit around hoping. Well, good day. What if, what if them Buddhists were right in the end and I'm sitting over here worshiping a false god? How do we know we're worshiping the true God? And once you've had that relationship, you're hearing master prayers like what I talked about earlier to this evening, I think before I started this recording. Um, that and we have all this prophecy that's been fulfilled. I noticed that the documentary, The Daniel Project, it's about 45, 50 minutes long. It's on YouTube. You can watch it free now. Um, and they go through, this guy is an agnostic. He tells you right up front. His profession was voiceover acting, and he shows some of his skills at the beginning. He can sound like any cartoon character, you know, and he can do the really deep voice like on a, uh, a real dramatic science fiction movie in a world far away, you know, kind of thing. And he does some of that. And then he says, um, you know, I'm going to come at this. I've been asked to do it. I've been asked about what I believe. And I said, I really don't know what to believe. I, I don't particularly believe that the God of the Bible is the real God and those sorts of things. By the end of the documentary, he was pretty well convinced. It was interesting to watch because of all the prophecies that were written like 2,500 years ago, and now they come to pass. Well, they came to pass over the last 1,000 years or so. And there are still some that have yet to come to pass, but they will. So the Bible vindicates itself. It, it, it authenticates itself by fulfilled prophecy, particularly with regard to Israel uh, the language uh, after they were restored to their place, same place where they had been in the past, the language would come back, the Bible said. Well, it did, Hebrew. Now, they, they could have read that and said, oh, okay, our language is supposed to come back. You can self-fulfill a little of that. You can't self-fulfill your nation coming back to that particular geographical location without major moving and shaking on the planet, which... World War One and then World War Two resulted in Israel being restored as a nation in the same place where they had been, the Bible said in, in Isaiah and um, probably in Jeremiah too. But uh, and also that the agriculture would come back. It was a barren wasteland. You know, Mark Twain talked about visiting it in the late 1800s. I think he was an atheist. He said this whole Bible story that anybody ever lived here is obviously bunk because there's nothing would grow here. This is nothing but a desert wasteland. Nobody wanted it. There were no Palestinians clamoring for that property until God put his blessing on it, fulfilled his prophecy, and the land began to flourish again. Oh, now they want that. Yeah, we'll take that now. This is our ancient ancestors. No, it's not. It was Israel's. So these are the ways that that we have confirmation of what we believe. You know, we're not just believing on a wing and a prayer on some kind of Norse gods or Greek gods or 
Hindu gods, none of that. We've got irrefutable <coughs> proof that what is being told to us here was actually written long, long ago. The Dead Sea Scrolls proved that. Do you know there was a huge debate uh, about when Revelation, the book of Revelation, was written. And um, some of the prophecies in the book of Revelation, the things that would come to pass, a lot of people were trying to say, oh, you know, this was doesn't such time it was written. Uh, it's confirmed pretty much about 95 A.D. Um, now Christ told him that temple would be destroyed. And in 70 A.D. it was. But then John is on the Isle of Patmos in the opening of Revelation, and he's given a vision. It says it's a vision of the Lord Jesus Christ. That book will really, really shake you to consider what it says is coming. Very, very strange, but the closer to the end of days we get, the less strange that becomes. The 200 million man army, at a time there probably weren't 200 million people on the planet. Now we got an army that size. China can do that and leave half of that many, or that many again back home. Um, the Euphrates River is going to dry up, it says, Revelation. It's drying up now. And there's a dam up in Turkey, the Answar Dam, something like that. They could shut the faucet off and drain that river right now. Just divert the water. And then there's no uh, Euphrates River. And it's supposed to dry up to prepare the way for the kings of the east, which will be coming toward Israel. This will be China getting quite globalist in the last days, or imperialistic, I guess you should say. I should say the, <clears throat> they want the resources. They need oil. And uh, Russia's going to come down too against Israel in these last days during that tribulation period. You'll have this chip, it says, in your hand or in right hand or in your forehead. And I don't know if they'll give you a choice or if they'll maybe check your body temperature in your extremities and it's not warm enough for that thing to work in your hand if your circulation's slower. So they said, we're going to have to put it in your forehead. It would have been easier in the hand, but now we're going to put your forehead. You got to have it. Can't buy or sell, the Bible says in Revelation 13. So obviously we're on a digital currency kind of thing there. What are they talking about now? Digital currency. They're talking a lot about that. They're also talking about um, social credit. China's already doing it. You do the wrong thing, and the cabal just shuts your bank account off on you until you learn to behave. It, it, you know, a little bit of a... Dress rehearsal is what they do to you on Facebook. You say the wrong thing on Facebook, you get put in Facebook jail. Seven days, a month. I've had it happen. I've got four accounts now, so I don't let it worry me. But um, but I will admit, there's things that I'd like to say sometimes that I don't because I don't want them shutting my account down. Because I use it to communicate, you know, Family members take pictures of her animals and whatever I'm eating. I have to get that out there, right? <laughs> I really do that. I was kind of a joke, but um, you know, my posts on food get more reaction than anything on Facebook. 
So if I want that privilege to show people how many hot dogs I'm eating, which I did the other day, I only ate two of those. Did you see that? Oh man, those are those are those Sam's. Oh, they are the Sam's Club hot dogs Jerry brought. Very good. Um, but no, we we have too much evidence to ignore that the Bible is true. But you know, I I, I uh, have said, and I'll, I will tell this fellow if we engage in further conversation, a guy in Norway, because he's you know he was kind of sad. I hope what I believe is true. Uh, you know our our uh, Norse god of the Vikings, Odin. Did Odin exist? Probably. Was Odin fully human? Probably not. Just like the Greek gods, Greek mythology, Norse mythology. Maybe it's not mythology. More than likely, those characters, those hybrids of Genesis chapter 6, did exist. And mentioned in the book of Enoch again, he said, once they died in the flood, you know, their disembodied souls wander the earth. You can't see them. You know, uh, your soul is eternal. It's not made out of anything that can die. You will be conscious forever. You know, when you're witnessing to someone, that's a good thing to point out early on. Oh, my brain, that's my mind. No, it's not. Your mind uses your brain like a computer, like you might use a computer. And the mind uses the brain to tell the body what to do. Time to digest some food. You know, time to slough off some dead skin cells. Oh, the heart needs to beat again and again and again. Keep doing that. Time to take a breath in, breathe out. The mind uses the brain to keep the body going. The mind doesn't cease, doesn't cease to exist when the, when the body dies. So these demons that, that are out there, they're not mythical. They exist. And um, I mean, and you see people. You can see they're so demon-hacked. Good day in the morning. You know, they... You know, the people that draw some of this off-the-wall stuff. I think the, the character Picasso is full of demons. Why do people want to see that? Well, they don't. Unless they have a demon of those of that same tribe, and then that de- the, the artwork of that demon appeals to the demon-inhabited individual standing there looking at it. An exception. You went to college. You got taught art appreciation. You got shown a Picasso and said, all right, just so you know, that's good. So we understand, that's good. I have long said about this so-called art appreciation or music appreciation, classes in these so-called universities, if you need to be taught to appreciate it, it ain't good. It will rise or fall on its own merits. You don't need to be told, hey, this is good poetry. And some of the so-called good poetry is terrible. But somebody decided it was good, told everybody else. So just because you might think, well, that's good, doesn't mean you got a devil. But when you really think about it, what what, what would the main reason that something like one of those Picassos, and there's a lot just like him, what's the main reason you you would appreciate something that just looks so morphed? Have you seen these freaks? They put the ear gauges in. They put studs all through their forehead. Some of them actually have uh, the whites of their eyes dyed, and and it actually harms their vision, but they don't care. They'd rather look like that than be able to see well. Um, Now, I'm not against tastefully done, conservatively dispersed tattoos personally. I'm not. 
But when you got them all over your face, something made you do that. That devil that's in you looked in the mirror and said, I don't like this white boy. We're going we're gonna to do some stuff here. We're going to change this stuff up. And there you go. And then anybody that looks at you after that and think, man, you look awesome. Well, that person probably is uh, piqued in curiosity and appreciates because they have a similar demon. Demons appreciate uh, what they, you know, do with the place. Some of them are even cutting off their ears. You seen that? Yeah, well, Picasso did that too. One of his ears. And um, was that was Van Gogh? Van Gogh. Van Gogh yeah. yeah, he was another strange one. Another strange one. But at least his pictures were not as bad as Picasso. Yeah. <laughs> and the one that's so famous, I don't even know the name of the author. It shows this hooded demonic looking individual standing on a bridge with his hands and, and yeah and screaming it's yeah. called scream yeah. is that right sure yeah. okay that's come straight out of the pit of hell uh oh yeah I mean you can be taught to You can I mean, be taught to so called. Like, eh, why'd you paint that? But I do like the majority of his work. As far as, well, I'll tell you another weird one is um, Da Vinci. Yeah, his stuff is kind of weird too. That, that, uh, daggone Mona Lisa. I mean, this is, oh, the Mona Lisa is so beautiful. Look at that. It looks like a picture out of a horror movie. Like, that, that, like, if, you, know, if there was a woman that ever looked like that, she'd make a train take a dirt road. I mean, that's not, that is not pretty. It ain't pretty. I think it's more of the skill that's of the woman. I've never heard that the before. beauty of the woman. <laughs> oh, boy, I'm going to hear it all now. Well, it says it's a self-portrait. That's what I've heard. Is, is it did it? Did it? Uh, da Vinci did himself and right. Yeah. So anyway, um, spots on your love feast while they feast with you without fear, serving only themselves. They are clouds without water, carried about by the winds. Late autumn trees without fruit, twice dead, pulled up by the roots. Uh, and I read the next one too: raging waves of the sea, foaming up in their own shame. Wandering stars for whom is reserved the blackness of darkness forever. Now, these people being described here are in the congregation. He says, there's spots on your love feast. When you get together and bring a potluck or whatever at the dinner, or you have um, communion dinner at a church. Well, they're right there, you know, doing the church face. Now, there's a lot of people, man, they're just sinister to the bone, but they know how to put it on when you, you know, they're a greeter at the, at the, uh, at the front door of the church. How are you doing there, brother? Come on in. Great to see you. You know, but then when you learn a little bit more about who they really are, then you know how fake that is. You don't deceive God. He knows. He knows. So, you know, uh, Enoch talked about this. And um, grumblers, complainers, verse 16. Walking according to their own lusts. 
flattering people to gain advantage. Flattering people to gain advantage. But you, beloved, remember the words which were spoken before by the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ, how they told you that there would be mockers in the last time, in the last days, some translations will say, who would walk according to their own ungodly lusts. These are sensual persons who cause divisions, not having the Spirit. Do you know what not having the Spirit means? Not saved. But you, beloved, building yourselves up on your own, up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. And on some have compassion, making a distinction. But others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment defiled by the flesh. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy, to God our Savior who alone is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen. God can keep you from stumbling. Stay close to Him. He will keep you from stumbling. This stuff right now is going on in a bad way in this country and in the world. Uh, 2 Timothy 3. Um, Reminded me of Ephesians uh, 27. He might present himself a church without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but should be holy and without blemish. Yes. Spots. Yep, no spots. And but these other characters are spots on your love feast. Yeah. And, and again, the context, they're in your congregation. Why? Because the preaching ain't good enough. Hmm. The preaching needs to be ramped up. You know? Is Christian in there? I am, yes. You need to touch up on your tea, right? Mm-mm. Okay, he's good. I thought he might have needed some tea. He was standing there staring into his cup, probably wishing it was beer. I'll drink that. Okay. M U N. In, Ed, Edvard. Like Edvard. Edvard Munch. Okay, Edvard Munch was a demon act. Well, there you go. He's probably all about the Norse gods. I'm not bashing Norway. That's where our ancestry comes from. But, um, but they're all a bunch of heathens. <laughs> yeah. Mental breakdown right before he painted that. That's why he painted it. Okay. I was watching. Weird. Yeah, exactly. I'm just Thank you for the research. I was watching a thing that was said, uh, the percentage of Christians and, and atheists, Norway, Denmark, and Scandinavia in general, about 90%, 95% are atheists. Yeah, and, I mean, they, and, and then, of course, some of the ones that are left over are, are claiming pagans, paganism. And, yeah. And Bjorn Andreas Bolhansen, I really enjoyed, I've enjoyed his videos. He 
goes outdoors, he builds a campfire, he, you know, shows you some outdoor survival kind of stuff. He never, until this past month, I'll say, gave any indication what he actually believed. But uh, he faults, he says, the Christians for forcing Christianity onto his ancestors. He's talking about the Catholic Church. Mm-hmm. I put in a comment, I said, Bjorn, you're talking about the Catholics. That's not Christian. I said, ain't no closer to Christianity than... You are. Yeah, well, I didn't put it that way. But <laughs> yeah. Um, but see that, you know, I, I can sympathize to a degree with him because some people claiming to be Christians were just as flat out rude toward him as they could have possibly been. And, you know, sure, that's going to cause somebody to want to see things your way, right? You don't do that. Second um, Timothy 3, the beginning. But know this, that in the last days perilous times will come, for men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good. I think in your uh, King James, this is a new King James, it says incontinent. And incontinent does mean without self-control. But in the modern vernacular, it sounds like you're messing your pants. Uh, Verse 4, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power, and from such people turn away. This is not a form of godliness. The Holy Spirit's not warning me against a pagan, a Norse pagan, who I feel like I could probably get along with if he didn't reject me. This is the Holy Spirit warning you against people who have a form of godliness. Spots on your love feast. And, uh, or claim to be. Yeah. And you know, so many churches are just totally weak in prayer. If you've got 25% of the congregation who truly trusts in the power of prayer and belief, and you got 75% believe in something else, like, nope, ain't Haiti or nothing, Methuselah both got the COVID and they're going to die. That's just that simple. They're going to die. And you got three times the number thinking that, and we're thinking, okay, we want this couple, this elderly couple healed. Your prayers are offset. Unbelief is powerful. I really believe that it's this way, and I base it on when Jesus would take Peter, James, and John to certain very critical scenarios where faith was critical to see someone, for instance, raised from the dead in some cases, but uh, to uh, experience what happened on the Mount of Transfiguration and uh, faith. But, you know, disbelief, unbelief, and the book of James talks about if you don't believe... If you pray, you better believe you're going to get. In that case, it's wisdom, but it would apply in any, anything. Anything you pray for, you have to believe you're receiving or you won't get it. But if you're believing you'll receive it, and you're surrounded by people who don't believe, that impacts your spirit. And on a spiritual level, you know that the man standing to your right and the woman standing to your left don't believe what you're praying in this corporate prayer in the congregation 
then you begin to doubt it yourself. So surround yourself in these critical moments of prayer with people who truly believe so that the unbelief brought in by someone else does not taint your belief. And we had a lady that used to come to the study here and I was really proud of her for saying one time that they were calling some people together to pray for a certain person who was sick. And she said, I knew that I didn't have the faith to join that prayer. I knew I shouldn't go pray and bring my unbelief in that particular situation in amongst those who are going to pray believing, presumably. That was a very good perspective. I mean, any of us could find ourselves in that situation. But uh, things are not going to be good in the last days. Uh, chapter 4 of Second Timothy continues to talk about what's on the way. <clears throat> the beginning of chapter 4, 2 Timothy, I charge you therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ who will judge the living and the dead. you got a King James, that's the quick and the dead. That's where that came from, the quick and the dead. It's not an old Western movie, by the way. I think this came out a little before then. Um, <laughs> preach the word, be ready. In, basically, in the, in the King James, the word quick means living. It's simply what it means. The, the word of God is quick living, you know, sharper than any two-edged sword. That's Preach. When they say you cut your fingernails down to the to the quick. Is that spelled K-W-I-K? Well, I don't know how to spell it, but that's where it comes from because that that when you cut down to the quick, that's the live part. You, you, oh, and that's when you know you're alive because it hurts. <laughs> yeah, bleed out. Preach the word, verse 2, be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and, and teaching. Long-suffering. What, what, how would that look? Um, you're talking to somebody about your faith, your Christian faith, and they keep rejecting you. Well, don't bludgeon them with it, but... If the door opens up again, bring it to them again. Long-suffering. Don't just tell somebody something once and give up on it. God even tells us not to give up in prayer. And Christ gave us a parable about that woman that kept coming before the judge over and over and over again. The judge, he said he wasn't even a, you know, he wasn't a saint. But even him, this woman's wearing me out. I'm just give her what she wants so she'll stop coming back here. And, and Jesus used that parable to teach us to be persistent in prayer. Verse 3, For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers. Sure. I know of uh, churches, oh, we've got a pastor research committee. We got them together. We got to go find us a pastor. Well, we got a short list of what they believe. Let's make sure that they believe what we believe, and we're there to scratch right off the list. If they believe that there's no rapture, scratch them off the list. Now, I can understand because we are pre-trib. 
we believe in the rapture and I've got the evidence for it. I could debate um, on the other side of it. I think I could make the case for no pre-trib. But the way to reconcile it, when you, th- when you find things in the Bible and you think, well, I've got contradictions here. This isn't making sense. Uh, you need to make it make sense because there's, there's, a, there's a gold nugget there of truth. There will be tribulation saints. They will not have made it to the wedding supper of the Lamb. They are not part of the bride. There are friends of the bridegroom, however. Luke chapter 12, start reading about verse 36. You'll see these. He told them, keep yourself dressed and ready for service. Keep your lamps burning like men who are waiting for their master to return from the wedding. Oh, wow. Y'all didn't make the wedding. You need to keep your lamps burning, not like those foolish virgins. There's one out. Dressed, ready for service, not like the Laodicean church who was naked. I think you can make the case that the Laodicean church is left behind. Jesus said to them, those I love, I rebuke and chase, and you need to repent. Or I'm going to spew you out of my mouth. That don't sound like you're going in any kind of rapture to be part of the bride of Christ. It doesn't. They were kind of one foot in heaven and one foot in hell. So um, these folks, they don't want sound doctrine. They want something to, somebody to tell them what they want to hear. They don't want anybody to preach out of the Bible. They'll give them a little bullet point list and you don't teach about abortion. I don't want to hear about it in here. You know, if you've got people in the congregation that do not want you preaching against abortion, you have, you're dealing with some unsaved individuals. I think I can say that with confidence because when I was a false convert, even certainly when I was an atheist, I believed in abortion. One of my favorite things to do was somebody debating me from a Christian standpoint, and the issue of abortion came up. So where do these babies go when they're aborted? And a Christian would say, well, they go to heaven. You know, and the Lord takes them on to heaven. And I would say, isn't heaven better than hell? Wouldn't it be better not to have to live through any of this mess right here? Just go straight to heaven. They, I kind of got. They'd get stuck on that, you know. They'd get stuck on that. But what they should have said to me is, abortion is murder. And if you think it's fine to murder somebody that can go on to heaven, on you know this side of the birth canal or the other, then apparently you think it's fine to just murder anybody that's going to go to heaven. Why not? Kill your pastor while he's in good fellowship. Send him on to heaven, right? You have to be wise as serpents and gentle as doves when you debate some of these folks. I'm to to some degree thankful for my years as an atheist and even as a false convert because when I was a false convert, I still, I'd tell you I was a Christian, but I didn't have any problem with abortion or euthanasia. You know, killing an old sick person so they wouldn't have to wait around and run up the hospital bill. Once I found the Holy Spirit in me, two things I knew that I had been previously believing were dead wrong. I had been all right with abortion. No longer was I okay with abortion. In many respects, I was a racist. No longer was I okay with being a racist. So the Holy Spirit will change you. When he comes to live in you, he will change you. He cannot help, you cannot help, but the change happen. 
these characters, now not all of them are in the congregation, but they're still looking for places to engage the population. I found it interesting that Bjorn Andreas Bohansson was grinding on Christianity, but not Islam. Grinding on Christianity, but not Buddhism or Hinduism. And he claimed to be a scholar and had studied these world religions. I can't imagine him missing the point that the Muslims would gladly kill him for blaspheming Allah in favor of his god, Odin. And don't think the Hindus won't get large enough number to do that same sort of thing too. They will. It's a pack mentality. And pack mentality comes from an animalistic nature. I've been seeing videos being shared on Twitter. These people just attacking somebody for no reason. You know, uh, the first one was black on white, but the second one I watched was black on black. They picked out one person they was going to beat to death if they got away with it, and just had them down. It was just like eight or ten of them kicking, stomping, pounding. That's the way a bunch of dogs act. That's what Jude said, brute beasts. Brute beasts. That's right. I think you're going to see more of this. I would caution everyone to be very situationally aware. Uh, try not to do your shopping after dark. I don't like for Christian to go to Walmart after dark. Yeah, we're in Withville, but things can happen here too. Some have happened. Um, you making that noise, Bob? <laughs> um, now, you know, t- look at some quality videos of uh, See. situational awareness teaching, and um, you know, there's small things you can do. If you can be armed, do that. Be armed. You know, and. 99% of the time just pulling a gun, somebody will back off. I've seen plenty of videos circulating on the internet. Somebody thought they was going to take somebody, take advantage of them, either with a knife or, or just going to manhandle them, and the gun gets pulled, situation over. You don't have to shoot them. And don't if you don't have to. But um, I think these situations are going to get worse. Try to do your shopping, ladies in particular, during daylight hours. If you pull into a place and you see some shady-looking characters bunched up and carrying on and talking loud, don't don't stop there. I mean, these this pack mentality, they they do tend to want to yell and cut up. It looks like a bunch of coyotes hooping when they're getting ready to do something. That's a warning. Don't even go anywhere near them. And if they try to stand in front of your car and block it, run them over. I don't, you know, run them over. Go ahead and hit them. I mean, you know what you're getting into? Back up. (laughs) I saw that one stupid little white chick up there, I think somewhere in Michigan, this Dodge Dooley pulling a horse trailer. I saw that, yeah. Yeah, she just decided she was going to put her back right up against the grill of that truck, and he didn't stop. I don't know how she came out of that. I never heard. It would pump up. Yeah. If she ain't dead, she's not in too good a shape. But see, you know, when they say play stupid games and win stupid prizes, 
be situationally aware we're dealing with some bad individuals out there right now and Satan is fanning the flames. We talked about people that have devils inside them. The, Satan will get those demons on the same channel, this pack mentality. And, and they all of a sudden, all of them decide this is going to be a good thing. Let's just beat this person to death or almost to death because it's fun, because it's what we should do. I don't understand that other than to say, well, I do understand it because I know that Satan has come to do what? To steal and to kill and to destroy. Did you say just, that's the new King James? It is. What, what does Acts 8.37 say? Oh, goodness. We're going on the KJV only thing here now. I, uh, I know that a lot of the verses, well, not a lot, but at least some, uh, have been eliminated in translations of, such as the NIV. Mm-hmm. Um, Acts 8, 37, it's in here, but it happened in those days that she became sick and died. When they had washed her, they laid her in an upper room. That's 837 or is that 9? Never mind, that's 937, my bad. 837 says, Then Philip said, If you believe with all your heart, you may. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. The New King James, and I'll show you in, in, in the NIV, is not going to be there. Um, there will be a footnote to say such and such translation has it this way. But... Um, you know, it'll go Acts 36 to 38. Uh, yeah, as they traveled along the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, look, here is water. Why shouldn't I be baptized? And it jumps right to 38. And he gave orders to stop the chariot. It's got 37 here in the footnotes. The reason for that, folks, is the NIV and a couple of other more recent translations were translated from Sinaiticus and Vaticanus, two really early texts that obviously predated a Textus Receptus by about 850 years. And the thought by the pointy-headed intellectuals was that, uh, well, these are more accurate translations because they're older. And look, you know, they've been preserved. And I think Chuck Missler was right. Missler said, the reason you found these old 150 AD translations is they were not regarded as complete. Um, They missed certain verses by whoever wrote this down. And they fell into ill use, that nobody used them. So, you know, the ones that were used were finally worn out. I think Missler's probably right about that. But um, I got saved reading the NIV. I had a Neanderthal Baptist one time, it's kind of a joke, but <coughs> indicated that he wouldn't want to be that person, wouldn't want to be that person. I said, what if you got nothing other than the NIV? Should, you know, my sister, that's the only Bible she's got, should she read that or, uh, you don't want that answer, you don't want that answer. And I said, well, you know, you gave me the answer just now. You know, uh, and I think he honestly believes that I couldn't possibly be saved because I claimed I got saved 
reading the NIV. Well, that's that's pretty darn <coughs> childish. You know, uh, how did, uh, and I asked him this. I said, what about these countries? They don't speak English. They don't get a King James. He didn't have an answer to that until the next time I saw him. And he said, okay, well, this and such guy, he's doing a lot of uh, research, and he's translating straight from the King James into these other languages. I said, that's a translation. And the King James is a translation. If we're going to hang our hat on any of the translations, do use the King James. But the version of the King James we have today isn't the same as it was in, the, say, the mid-1800s. It went through some revisions because of the way people spoke. There are still words in the current King James we use that, um, like, for instance, let he who lets will continue to let until thus and such. That means prevent. Um, the the uh, restrainer is going to let, and that means prevent. Today, it's 180 degrees opposite. If I say, would you let me go? That means, would you allow me? Uh, so that's just one example of some, some words that we don't use them that way anymore. I mentioned earlier one of those letters of Timothy uh, said these people are incontinent. Now, the, the New King James changed that to without self-control. It said they're without self-control. Now, if a new person was reading the Bible and in today's time, and they come across these people are all they're this, they're disobedient to parents, and they're incontinent, they're crap their pants. That's what they're going to think. And I'm not making light of the, the original King James there. I'm not. I love it. It's very poetic. And God is... Well, part of the reason for, for new versions is this, uh, the King James Version is, is basically public domain. Mm-hmm. Okay, in order to get a, a copyright, you have to change something 10%. Yeah, and, and they so do. And so if Zondervan wants to put out a, a different Bible and make money on it, they've got to change it. And they do that. And because been... uh, theoretically, if you just took the original King James and antiquated words, you just put in the new word that's not antiquated, and leave the King James alone. What's the difference? Because well, you didn't make any money on it. And I don't know if Zondervan probably did change enough the new King James. I I don't know if they... Yeah, it's, it's got changes, yeah. Um, but, you know, um, it's for profit there. Yeah, it's Zond- for profit. It's money. It's That's like Steve Martin said. That's why there's so many. Uh, there's like 400 English uh, translations of the Bible. It's a profit deal. I look at several of them. You know, sometimes... Um, I mean, there's that. It's not in print anymore. It's called the Living Bible. I mean that. Oh wow! I mean the way for John chapter one. You know, uh, in the beginning, uh, how it says it was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. In the beginning was Jesus Christ, mm-hmm. and Jesus Christ was with God, and Jesus is God. Now that is spot on. Well, you know, that's not a translation. A transliteration, they call yeah, that. Yeah, and he wrote it for his kids. I don't the guy know. that wrote that. So his kids would understand. His little kids would understand. Yeah, and, and you do want something that children can get and understand. So I don't bash translations unless it's something completely blasphemous like the gay lobby came out with the quote, Queen James Version. The Queen James takes all the references to homosexuality out. Of course. You know, and that's what uh, itching ears want to hear. So let me see how far we're in. We might be 
I will write it an hour. Anybody want to add anything? Anybody want to take anything away? <laughs> Little Bible joke there. You're going to take something away. We should Hopefully. always. Yeah. One of the things that's been bugging me lately is the fact that you know that one verse in the scripture where it says, if you hurt any of these little children, it's better than a millstone be wrapped around your body and thrown into the deepest part of a lake. I think he's alluding to molesting kids. Well, and plus these people that are modifying the genders of some of these young kids that haven't had a chance to make their mind up yet. Oh, and that's like, child abuse. In the well, I, I'm, I'm sitting here thinking about the condemnation that those people who are doing that to these young kids is going to be so great. Uh, it's just been bugging me lately that people are hurting these kids. That it should, should, it should bug you. It should bug us all, and I'm sure it does. They um, should be counseling these young people on, into not doing that. You are who you are. Their own children. Yeah. A lot of them. Yep. It's a very sad situation. It absolutely is. <clears throat> Let's join hands. Mm-hmm. Close this out, Ray. Your Heavenly Father, we thank you that we can be together as a group to hear, study, and learn your word. I pray that you touch each and every one here. Fill us with your Holy Spirit, your God, and go with us the rest of the week and every day yes, Lord. as we go through the rest of this life. Have mercy upon all of us. Bless all, each and every one. Have mercy upon the backs people, the ones that are lost. Yes, Lord. Come, Lord Jesus, come. Even Take so. us out of this miserable place. Yes, Lord. We ask and pray in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. Oh, man, right out. It's beautiful.